Today and for the next four weekends, our gospel readings are taken from the sixth chapter of John, often referred to as the Bread of Life chapter. It is one of my favorite chapters in scripture, and over a number of years, it helped me to arrive at two inescapable, absolute truths. First, the bread and wine are not mere symbols, as I was taught in my Protestant church, but by the eternal power of Jesus' words, words that are not diminished by either human sin or by the passage of time, that bread, that wine become what Jesus says they are, his body and blood. It cannot be otherwise. Since Jesus and the Father are one, Jesus' word has all the power and authority of his Father's word, that what he says does not return to him empty and void, but as the prophet Isaiah says, returns to me accomplished. In other words, it becomes real. And from that first truth, flowed the second truth, an uncomfortable truth. I had no choice but to join a church that had a valid Eucharist through the ministry of a clergy that could be traced back to the apostles to whom Jesus gave not the request, but the command, do this in memory of me. There are only two such churches, the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church, none other. These were inconvenient truths, however, because they meant that what I preferred to believe, what I preferred to hold as my personal opinion, what I chose to feel, had to yield to a truth far greater than I or any human being could conjure up, that I had to yield to a mystery that God was in control of, not me. So despite the opposition, I joined the Catholic Church. Jesus, we hear, fed 5,000 people with five barley loaves and two fish. Why? To prepare them for the truth. As I said last weekend, this miraculous feeding was preceded by Jesus teaching the crowd many things. Teaching came first so that the miracle could do what miracles are supposed to do to open the heart of fallen man to the grace of faith, to the truth that Jesus is Lord. He is Messiah, Savior, Son of God. He, and only he, offers man salvation. Now, faith is never imposed from without, but it is always prodded from within. And the divine invitation is always patiently waiting for the human response. Now, a few folks took some offense last week 
when after quoting Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, I made the comment that, quote, the way, the truth, and the life is not found in other religions, though whatever may be true, holy, and just in them imperfectly points to Jesus, close quote. They thought I was being disrespectful, that this was offensive. I was not disrespectful, and it was not offensive. It is the truth. Our culture is being thoroughly washed with the bleach and disinfectant of political correctness in order to minimize all differences, to reduce everything into a bland and tasteless sameness, to ultimately render what should be essential to mean nothing. It is an assault on truth itself. And as powerful as the forces of political correctness are right now, Christians, whatever their church, need to muster courage not to be silenced for fear that someone might be offended. I firmly and unashamedly believe and I profess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, that in him and in him only can man be saved. I believe this as firmly as a devout Muslim believes God spoke definitively through their prophet Muhammad in, the, in their holy book, the Quran, and as firmly as the Jew believes the Torah is the definitive expression of the mind of God to his chosen people. Now, does the culture of political correctness today suggest that the Muslim or the Jew or any other religious group should be silent? Not yet. But it does insist that the Christian should refrain from expressing his or her faith, most especially in the public arena, so that no one is offended. But the Christian cannot be silent. Otherwise, he or she risks ceasing being a Christian. But what then does this mean about our relations with other religions? Rooted in truth, we ought to show great respect and reverence for them. Jesus works through the church he personally established on the Apostle Peter, his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Jesus has defined the church, not the popes, not the bishops, not the priests, not you, not anyone. Rather, the Son of God has defined the church. But Jesus is not confined by his church. He can work outside of it. I can't, you can't, Jesus can, because he's God. So if the devout Muslim is to be saved, it is not because it is by the tenets of Islam, but whatever is holy, good, true, and just in Islam comes from the Lord Jesus, who's always been one with the Father and points back to Jesus. If the devout Jew is to be saved, it will not be because of his or her adherence to the Torah, but all that is good, holy, true, and just in the Torah comes from the Lord Jesus, who has always been one with the Father and points to Jesus. This basic principle applies to all faiths. 
And the Christian has the missionary duty to make the Lord known to others, but always remembering that Jesus alone knows how to read the human heart. My concern, then, is not for the Jew, or the Muslim, or the Buddhist, or the Hindu, or the Sikh, whatever. My concern in general are those who call themselves Christians but sadly know more about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny than they do about Jesus Christ. They are at serious risk of losing their salvation. And I am particularly concerned about Catholic Christians, especially those who think that just by mindlessly plopping their butts in a pew and going through the motions of the Mass, that somehow is a substitute for their responsibility to develop a personal relationship with the Lord. It is not. They fail to see that the Mass the divine liturgy, the Eucharist, is the vehicle by which the Lord draws one ever closer to him, a vehicle of divine love for man. Not surprisingly, such Catholics fail to see even the need of a church. And this is very dangerous. In one of the documents of the Second Vatican Council, not Trent, Second Vatican Council, it's called the Constitution on the Church. The Council Fathers wrote the following to Catholics, quote, basing itself on scripture and tradition, it teaches that the Church, a pilgrim now on earth, is necessary for salvation. The one Christ is mediator and the way of salvation. He is present to us in his body, which is the church. He himself explicitly asserted the necessity of faith and baptism, and thereby affirmed at the same time the necessity of the church, which men enter through baptism as through a door. Hence, now listen to this, so politically incorrect. Hence they could not be saved who knowing that the Catholic Church was founded as necessary by God through Christ would refuse to enter it or remain in it. You know someone who's gone off to a different pasture? He or she's in trouble. Do you and I have a duty to talk to them? You bet we do. We cannot escape it. The fathers go on. Even though incorporated into the church, one who does not, however, persevere in charity is not saved. He remains indeed in the bosom of the church, but in body, not in heart. And if they fail to respond in thought, word, and deed to that grace, not only shall they not be saved, but they shall be the more severely judged." Close quote. Not surprisingly, there are many who are offended by this teaching of the church. But truth is truth. Jesus fed 5,000 people to prepare them, his disciples, you and me, for the truth that he himself is the bread of life, that in him and in him alone one has the certitude 
of eternal salvation. It was a revelation that would offend the sensibilities of many. It still does. It was a revelation that would require people to make a leap of faith. It still does. It was a revelation that, as we shall see over the next few weeks, could only be accepted at great personal cost. It still does.